today I'm going to be doing a special podcast feature um, all the way from Arkasamas in Canada. Um, there are very wonderful, um, if you don't know who they are, they are someone who contributes in our website as our blog writer. Um, with that further said, I don't want to beat around the bush, um, but I want to let this person introduce himself a little bit and to give a little fun fact about who they are. Okay, so my name is Rome Lim. I am currently based in Toronto. Uh, pronouns are he and him, and I am a blog writer for Kasamahan Ko. A little bit something interesting about you that no one knows. Um, something interesting about me that no one knows. Honestly, Chachi, I'm not gonna lie to you. I talk a lot, so there are there are probably like no things that. No, I don't have any secrets. I, don't, I think a lot of people know a lot of things about me. Um, but I guess for people who don't know me, the first thing that's coming to mind is like I'm lactose intolerant. But I love, I love boba. Okay, I will, I will risk it all for a for boba. I really will. Okay, I what re- is your favorite boba boba dish? Uh, okay, right now. Okay, I don't, maybe this is, like, brand-specific or, like, you know, but, like, there's this drink um, that I get at my boba, like, this my usual boba place, and it's, like, mango and matcha mixed together, and uh, there's, like, little mango-like balls in it, like, jellies, and it's really yummy, um, super delicious. It's called, like, mango... Mango can, there's like mango can can jelly, matcha, something like matcha with mango can can jelly. Um, it's from Gongcha. If I ever go to Canada, Toronto, especially, I'm gonna like bookmark this and like try to order that drink because yeah. I love matcha and I love mangoes and I love boba. Yeah, I, you know what? This is my first, like, this is the first year where I've had it. And I didn't think that matcha and mango would go well together, but it really does. It really. It really is good, so... But uh, this special podcast that we have today is actually a special one because Rome is part of the Pinoys on Parliament, a group that is based in Ontario, Canada. And it was founded in 2018. And this year, specifically this month, they'll be having a conference on February 24th and through the 26th. So if you didn't hear about it yet, now you're hearing it now. Um, this year's theme is Balik Bayan, and something that is so meaningful to us, um, especially here in the diaspora, is the concept of like coming back home. Um, Rome, if you want to explain a little bit about like the theme and concept of this year's conference? Yeah. So, you know, like you said, the theme is Balik Bayan, which, you know, is loosely translated to returning home. And, you know, since our past conferences have been online, um, I guess, you know, it's just fitting that we would call our conference Balik Bayan, right? Because we're all returning to in-person in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada, which is in the province of Ontario. Maybe these are just words. I actually don't understand how states work. So basically, like, a state is like a province, I think. I think. Huh? I think. Okay? But, yeah, so um, we have about 
maybe about like 200 attendees this year coming to Ottawa and um, you know, we're just really excited to reconnect with one another, to engage in community, uh, to come together as a community and to, you know, just celebrate um, the Filipino diasporic identity, you know? Uh, it's just, there's just something about being in a room full of Filipinos that just feels like so like homey, you know what I mean? Like even if like, even if maybe, you know, you don't speak Tagalog or you speak like another language from the Philippines or like maybe you only speak English or like, you know, or you just came to Canada, like just seeing a bunch of faces that look like yours or, you know, faces that, you know, just maybe look like a part of your family. You know what I mean? Like that kind of feeling, it's just like, it's irreplaceable. So yeah, I'm very excited to, you know, come to Ottawa and celebrate Balagbayan, quote unquote. What title would you give the season of your life? <laughs> um, you know, that's a great question. Um, I would give the season of my life right now, I would, I would call the season of my life right now patience. Um, I think right now, uh, as a young 23-year-old, um, I am learning how to love the parts of me that are hard to understand um, just simply by, like, sitting with them and watching myself, I guess, like, unfold like a flower. Uh, sometimes it's not as beautiful as, like, seeing a flower bloom, but um, that's kind of what patience is, right? It's kind of just accepting things as they come and letting it go as they leave you, you know what I mean? Like, flowers don't think about growing. They don't think about how they're going to look when they're done blooming. They just simply, like, grow. And I kind of want to hold, not I kind of, I want to um, see myself in the same way, where it's, like, um, as I'm learning more about myself and I'm seeing, like, all the good parts, quote-unquote good parts of me, quote-unquote bad parts of me, like, I, I don't know, like, I'm just... I'm just accepting and accepting and ac accepting. And then like, once I've accepted, I can now like edit, you know what I mean? Like, oh, so like this kind of behavior, like this results from like trauma and I don't need this kind of survival tactic anymore. Or like, um, oh, it's kind of weird that I feel like this. Why do I feel like this? And like, you know, not judging my emotions really. So yeah, I would just call the season of my life patience. And it's so fitting that you mentioned, you also mentioned it um, in your last blog post from us, which is the rotted in soil, um, mm -hmm. especially like when it comes to learning ourselves, it takes patience. And sometimes we are programmed to not, it's not programming us to like, oh, you have to wait yourself like, there's so many other factors and you get distracted. So I think I totally respect that. Yeah. I mean, like if I could talk about it a little bit, if that's okay, I just like, yeah, like going back to my article, it took me a long time to realize that um, a lot of the standards I held myself up to were merely just because I wanted to uh, like survive like in my family unit. And I think that's, I think when I realized that it was really hard for me to accept because, you know, growing up, and especially as Filipinos, we grow up so close to our family, right? And it's like, our family is our everything. We love our family, la, 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 And when I realized that a lot of the things that have hurt me have come from my family, it just made me think that, like, how can I say that I love these people when they have hurt me so much? 
And I think that's when I try to reframe the meaning of love, uh, in, as in like, love is complex and it's not a singular like thing ever. And I don't want people to like read my article and think that like, oh, does he like hate his mom now? Does he not talk to his mom? Let me tell you something. I still live at home, so I have to see my mom every day. Okay. <laughs> like it's, I, I, even if I hated her, I would still have to see her. And I honestly, like, I, I don't hate my mom. I don't think I ever will just because like, you know, the bond that you have with your mom when she is a single mom, like that's, um, it's like really deep, you know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, it's a really deep bond and, um, the love I have for my mom is very complex. Like it's not, uh, it cannot be defined in one short sentence. It is a multitude of things, you know, it is constantly evolving. And like, even if my mom doesn't understand the ways I'm changing, and like she doesn't understand why I kind of like to distance myself more and like or, or I'm setting boundaries that is something I recognize that she has to learn by herself and I am merely here to guide her I cannot teach her all the things all the time you know what I mean and because like that just becomes exhausting you know holding myself up to that standard as the teacher as someone who always has to teach people how to treat me when and then I'm not getting that kind of like treatment in return. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to exist like everyone else. And I just want to be happy and be cute and like be fun. So it's, you know what I mean? I just don't want to be serious all the time. <laughs> exactly. And I think like going back to your article alone, like when I was reading it for the first time, like I think this is a conversation that we need to help feed our family members. Like, Mm-hmm. Yes, like in the Filipino community alone, like family is a huge part, but sometimes families can drive us insane. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to really distance ourselves. Distance makes the heart grow fonder, um, as mm-hmm. we always hear, and it really does. Um, it's really taking the time to like set a, like what you said, like that boundary, even though it's hard, because sometimes they don't understand, like, oh, I thought you loved me. Why are you distancing yourself? Like, no, I want. I love you so much that I don't want to hurt you if I'm, if I accidentally lash out. Yes, yes, and I think like, I think it's hard to like when you're unpacking your trauma and you're like unlearning your survival tactics um, through your emotions. Um, I think it's hard to. I think it's hard for your parents to like recognize that. And for you to also recognize that, like, um, they they just don't understand. You know, they don't understand what boundaries are because they grew up in a time where no one had boundaries. You know what I mean? And, like, mental health was not, like, something that they would talk about. And, like, it's, it's – mental health in the Filipino community is, like – it's, like, a new phenomenon, quote-unquote, if I can use that word, right? Um, it's just something that we've recently like dipped into and understanding that mental health, um, is not, uh, cannot be understood in a singular like vacuum. 
it, it is something that will all that has to intersect with culture, right? Like mental health in like white spaces is very different from mental health in like um, spaces where people of color are present. You know what I mean? Um, mental health is different in like Asian families and in Black families and in like uh, like Latin families. You know all these different kind of like communities, right? Um, there is no singular image for mental health. And, uh, and like people, I guess when we are unlearning, you know, our bad behaviors or like things that no longer serve us is, is a better way I want to put it. Like when we are unlearning things that no longer serve us, um, we also have to see outside of ourselves and see how those, you know, like, uh, how, uh, how, how us changing, uh, is seen by like people who we, people that we love. Because we can't, like, leave them in the dark too much, but we also cannot, like, um, put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, like, have to teach them again and again and again. Eventually, they will come. You know what I mean? Yeah, Eventually. and I think this is a really great segue um, to your story of, like, what does it mean for you to grow up as Filipino-Canadian? Um, hmm. I think... So growing up in Canada, like as a Filipino, I was very fortunate to like grow up in a city that has so many Filipinos living in it. So I was never too far away from the culture. Um, you know, I've had birthday parties at like a Filipino community center. I went to Filipino school. I've learned the nickling. I've always eaten Filipino food at school. And I, I've never felt like too out of place. You know, there are... Because, you know, like, I don't know if this is, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but like, um, you know, there are just some Filipinos who kind of like turn away from Filipino culture and they kind of like shame other Filipinos for like practicing their culture because they feel insecure um, about being Filipino or not feeling Filipino enough. But luckily for me, I didn't feel like that. And I understand that like, that's a separate experience. You know what I mean? But I digress. Anyway, so it's like, um, like I said, like, I've never felt too far away from Filipino culture. Um, but I understand that, like, that's not the case for a lot of people, um, in, in the city, right? Like, some people grow up in different neighborhoods, um, like, maybe predominantly white neighborhoods. And so they weren't surrounded by, like, a lot of Filipinos. So they don't feel, like, as connected to the culture. And so I feel like when I come in contact with um, you know, Filipinos who have this experience, I am both like the teacher and the student, you know what I mean? Like my, my definition of what it means to be Filipino Canadian is ever evolving because of the many interactions I've had with other Filipinos, such as myself. Right. Um, this is kind of, uh, maybe in relation to the article that I'm going to write, cause this is just an idea. Right. But I think, I think that, um, you know, the idea of, um, unity as, as a country should not, or shouldn't be based in like homogenization. You know what I mean? Like if we're talking about, uh, Tagalog, right? Like, like how we were talking about before, like Tagalog was the language that would bring people together like that would was basically like 
the thing that would label all Filipino as Filipino, right? Like if, and I think we kind of see that too, like in the di- in the diaspora, right? Like if someone asks you, do you speak Tagalog? And someone says no, the knee-jerk reaction is to feel like you're not Filipino enough. You know what I mean? Because you cannot speak Tagalog. However, like you said, like not all Filipinos speak Tagalog, right? Maybe you can speak uh, another language like Ilocano or you speak Ibanag, Kapampangan, all these other languages, right? And also, like, it's not your fault if you grew up in a place where English is the main language and you just grew up speaking English and your parents didn't speak Tagalog or, like, whatever language at home because they wanted you to, like, survive in this new space, right? They, It's really not your fault. And so, I guess, to bring it back to the point of, like, there is no singular, like, Filipino identity. What it means to be Filipino is ever-evolving. It is always changing, and I don't think people should pigeonhole themselves into, you know, certain things that relate to their culture, you know what I mean? Because the culture, like it, like I said, is also ever-evolving. It is always changing, right? Um, I think... Uh, like an example of our our culture changing is um, the use of tinikling in like hip hop, and I think that's really cool. So like as someone who like really loved dancing um, when I was younger, and like I specifically like you know ABDC America's Best Dance Crew, like you know kind of like hip hop urban dancing. Like I love, I just love that stuff, and like to see tinikling being implemented into um, that genre of dance is just like so cool and some people are like purist about like the nickling saying it's like oh you're like bastardizing the culture like you know this and that i personally don't think so because i think again like we should just allow the culture to evolve and evolve but not stray away from its roots you know what i mean like we should still be close to the culture um and be more informed but anyway yeah, so that's 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 what I want to say. No, you're that's definitely like definitely like I agree with you. And like the more that you talk about like the sneak peek towards your next writing, I'm excited for it because like echoing your words again is that it's really like sad to see that when a lot of people ask each other like or ask someone if you're if you what language you speak, the ultimate language that they think of is Tagalog of that and it's like that's not all the languages that there is um and sadly because I also see it from work it's like oh what is the main language of the Philippines like oh Tagalog and instantly I'm just like I want to like step in Uh, there's so much more and then they get like oh and then they have there's other dialects and it's like oh that's when I'm like cringe because it's not a dialect language (laughs) Mm, that's true. Yeah, that's so. That's so true. I think the first time uh, we had spoken, we talked about like, because um, I said, "Oh, I speak a dialect, right?" And then when I explained to you, you're like, "You're like, oh no, 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 like that's a language." And I was like, "Oh, what does she mean?" And I think like, um, again, we're gonna go on a tangent, but like, I think that's a, like because you know what, like Chachi, like that that uh, article you sent me like really opened my eyes, right? Like to like the power 
that Tagalog has, like as a language, right? It is the center of power. And to denote every other language outside of Tagalog as a dialect, not that's not correct. It, it really is not correct. Because these are their own respective languages. These are not a dialect um, from within a, its own language. You know what I mean? Like, I think the example you had said, had given me was like, oh, like, someone from, like, Manila will have a different, like, Tagalog accent than from someone from a different place in Manila. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that is what a dialect is. Like, it's yeah. like a way of speaking the same language, but, like, maybe their cadence is just a little different. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, like, all other languages are not dialects. They are languages in their own way, but yeah. Anyway, so yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, totally that's true. And I think the more that we continue to talk about it within our diaspora community alone, um, mm. and to ease in on it, but also like approaching it with grace, then we can like slowly have that conversation with our family, like not family, but our kasamas in the homeland. Because I know right now that's not the issues that we should be arguing with them but it's the issue of just like how can we actually heal ourselves in the diaspora so that we can better serve our kasamas back home in the homeland because there's just so much in the homeland right now so and but right now we have to focus in our diaspora piece that we have a lot of healing to do yes and i think that's like the no and i think that's like the great thing about like uh on parliament's theme this year like the idea of returning home is kind of, it's really sentimental, right? Because it gives us, as as the diaspora, it gives us a sense of, like, belonging, like a sense of place, right? And when we all come together, like, even as the diaspora, we can continue these kinds of conversations. And, like, as we heal together, like, outside of the Philistines, like, we can, in some way, like, contribute to the conversation. Because I think right now, like, there is a major divide in, like, um, Filipinos from the homeland and Filipinos living abroad. And I think it's because when you move abroad, you are automatically subjected to a bunch of different things that you didn't not, you were not aware of back home, right? Like, everywhere has different, like, like, you're just living in a different society. You know what I mean? And it's, like, those kind of experiences that you have in these new places, you know, affect your understanding of what it means to be Filipino, right? And I think in in America specifically, like, or even in the West, because this also happens in Canada too, like, you were always going to be the other to the people who, to the white people. You know, you are always the other. You will never be Canadian or, like, American enough. It's always like hyphenated, you know. I'm Filipino dash Canadian. I'm Filipino dash American, you know. But you are never just like just American. And I think that like again, like when we come together and we return home as a community, like we can continue these conversations and create a sense of unity within our own community through like understanding and like ever evolving conversations and to then bring those kind of thoughts back home and to, you know, approach those conversations that, that are present on our homeland and, you know, 
influence them or not influence, sorry, more like contribute to the conversation that way so that they have a better understanding of what it, of what living like in the diaspora is like, you know what I mean? So it's just about connection. And it brings perfect transition into where is the inspiration come for you when it comes to writing? Oh, okay. So like, that's a really, I really like that question. So I write from a place of like uh, self-exploration, bravery, and honesty. Um, I think those are the words that uh, come to mind when I think about, um, when I sit down to write, like I always think about what do I want, what do I want to write about? That is honestly the first question I always ask. And I mean, it's a little like self-centered to think that way, you know what I mean? Because like, obviously my own interests are not everyone's interests. You know, as a kid, I didn't have access to a lot of things. Uh, and now as an adult who has like been through university and has seen and has had access to all kinds of like information, to all kinds of studies, to all kinds of research, all kinds of articles, like my, my love for knowledge has only grown. Right. And I want to write from a place of like curiosity and and I do, and I do write from a place of curiosity because I just want to keep knowing more about things because in university I realized I love learning about things that have nothing to do with me you know what I mean like I love I really love learning about art um I mean I I was an artistic kid growing up but like I didn't really get into like classics I didn't really read up on classics and like you know um all these kind of like art genres or like things that exist in the art world. I didn't know about those things. But when I entered university and I started taking these classes just because I was interested in them, like I learned so much about um, the art world and, you know, just following my line of curiosity and like um, writing from that place, it, it allows me to, it's almost like therapy for me. You know what I mean? Because I'm just, I just keep learning about myself and like who I am as a person. And, you know, just honestly, just the will to try and understand who I am. Um, that's, that's the biggest in- inspiration for all the articles that I will ever write in my lifetime. Not just here at Kasamahanko, like literally all, all my life. I think that's where I'll always like. It's from my heart, my little heart. <laughs> and there's just so much within our story when we write it and when someone else write it, like mm-hmm. that connection that it just like brings you to, to have them all to share their stories. Yeah. You know, my friend uh, read my article, the one that uh, came out recently, and they were like, Rome, you know, like I cried. And I was like, you know what? That is... That is so sweet. I'm sorry that you cried, but I guess it was like happy tears or like relief. Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, it was just so nice reading something that made me feel like, um, you know, like I wasn't alone. That's kind of like what they said. And I, to me, like that's the biggest compliment as a writer. When I can explain my story and have other people connect to it, that means a lot to me. Uh, it means that like I have spoken a truth about myself and that truth is also your truth. And now we have a connection, you know, and that kind of connection, like it means a lot. It means a lot because, you know, you don't know what kind of impact that, uh, that article or like even the, the words you write, um, have on someone. And I think that, um, 
Like, if you actually think about it, like, these are just words. They don't have anything. Like, they're just words, just letters, you know? Pixels on a screen, like, ink on a paper, they're just words. But the fact that, like, people can relate to it and um, can relate to the things that you've said and can relate to the ideas you've proposed and the feelings you've put out there, like, I don't know, it just kind of makes me realize that, like, um, as humans, we just always want to have that kind of connection. And so you're never, like, truly alone in the world. You know, there's always, like, someone waiting to read your story. And where's the story itself? Our lives is a story <laughs> waiting to be written. <laughs> yes, this is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> this is going off tangent, but, like, my definite dream with Kasama and Co is like with the podcast with the narratives I really want to do like a book a coffee shop bookstore where you sit down have a coffee have a conversation and then write your story on a piece of paper and then when they come back you can continue writing on it so each time you grab a coffee you grab a um, a notepad and you write something that happened to you and then you keep coming back and you build this archives of your story <laughs> oh my god that's like <laughs> never forget that idea i hope you write it down somewhere because like <laughs> that is such a like that's such a revolutionary idea i love it because sometimes like we can't really trust mainstream media anymore because sometimes yeah. they forge the truth like sometimes they want a certain angle of a story and mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on unless it's the actual person yeah you know like so my undergrad was in journalism right so i mm-hmm. just learned the ins and, ins and outs of the news and you know what i think going into the program i was really excited i was just like oh my god like i'm gonna be I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be on the news. I'm going to write these kinds of stories. Blah, blah, blah. And then I really realized that, like, I actually don't like the news. <laughs> I actually really don't. And the reason why is because there's, like, just a lack of connection. There really is, like, something going on in the newsroom where... It, it, which is kind of ironic because the, the point of a journalist is to, like, catch a story. But, like, how can you catch a story when you're not making a connection? You know what I mean? So what are your what are your motives going into it? Like where where are you writing from? Are you writing to help these people or are you writing to like help the other help your company make money? You know what I mean? And so um, going back Yeah, literally. And like, you know, like going back to the question like where is the inspiration? like where do you write from? I really write from my heart, you know, because like I I want to make as many connections as possible and i just want to also like learn um learn as much as possible from other people who i admire and from people who have different experiences um than the ones than the experiences i have because um it's just that just makes life more fulfilling you know and that is the kind of journalism um that speaks to me so I'm glad I have a degree, but like, girl, the media, I just don't even, <laughs> I don't even look. Yes. And that's a perfect segue because right now, what do you hope to accomplish in the next few months? I want to say year because year can be over-exaggerated. Things can happen so fast in a year. Yes. As you and I both know, things can happen. Um, but what I, what I hope to accomplish in a, in a couple of months, in a few months, um, is I want to really find a full-time job, like, at a creative company in Toronto. 
uh, just right now, I've just been kind of struggling to find work as a creative person. And also, I've thought about being a content creator, but that's the thing. I've just thought about it. I haven't done anything. <laughs> because I, I actually am, like... I actually am kind of shy, so I don't know if you would know that about Maybe that's something people don't know about me, that I'm shy. Um, because when I tell people that, they're like, you're shy? You're so loud. And I'm like, yeah, I'm shy. Like, just, like when it's just me and the camera alone, I, cry. I don't have anything to say. So I really, anyway, so I hope to um, find full-time work uh, in Toronto just because like, I really love the city. And I just want to be more involved, like in city life, because that's always been my dream. I also have, I also hope to find the courage um, to be more free in sharing my art with people online, and to attempt to foster some sort of like online community for myself. Um, I recently started a poetry account, which I haven't told a lot of people about, just because, like I said, I'm shy. So. Um, but you know what, like, honestly, who cares? Because like social media is not, is not even real. So, um, maybe Chachi can like put my poetry account in the bio of the episode or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you can put that in there if you want. Um, but yeah, so I, I want to, um, you know, just again, like be more free in the art that I create and like really not care about what people say or, you know, not even think about the opinions of, you know, even people who live in my city and like who know me, you know, I just don't want to care about that kind of stuff. I just want to create freely. Um, I also want to complete a photography zine. Um, I am a photographer, but I've taken a break um, just because like uh, the pandemic kind of affected the way I approach photography. Like I was just not shooting in the pandemic. Um, and I think it's made me really like shy about um, shooting in public and also um, just kind of like hate crimes recently have put me off street photography. So I felt a little bit unsafe, you know, having a camera out in the streets, but, um, I really do love photography. So I hope to complete a photography zine soon. What idea do I have? I have none. Um, but hopefully I, I figure something out. Um, and lastly, um, lastly, I hope to build more secure relationships within myself and uh, those around me because I am unpacking a lot of trauma uh, slowly. I am slowly unpacking a lot of trauma in my life. And I just want to, uh, again, like just foster deeper connections with all the people that I love and to not be afraid of telling people that I love them and to show up for them and to also show up for myself, you know? So that's what I hope to accomplish accomplish in the next year or in the next couple of months. Um, will it happen? We'll see. We'll just, fingers crossed. You know, fingers crossed, things happen. Fingers crossed. But I'll try my best. You know, there is nothing wrong with putting yourself out there and there is nothing wrong with speaking everything to manifestation because anything works. As long as you put it out there to the universe, the universe will find its way to make it happen. <laughs> yes, that is what I believe. I believe that. I claim that. I yes. claim that, Tati. I claim it. <laughs> with that further said and do, I wanted to give this last few moments of the podcast to... Give a little share of anything exciting that's going to be happening this month. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So I think, like you said at the top of the episode, Chachi, um, Pinoy's on Parliament uh, is Canada's first and largest national youth conference for Filipino youth um, in Canada. And uh, 
this February 24th to the 26th, we are having our major conference. Um, our theme this year is Balik Bayan. And as the uh, Director of Communications for Pernaiser and Parliament and also the uh, Media Relations Coordinator, I just really hope everyone attending has a good time. I know maybe people listening um, are... You know, you guys don't live in Canada, but if anyone from Canada sees this, there is still room to uh, apply um, to attend the conference. There's currently a wait list, but, you know, hopefully you can try your luck on the wait list and, you know, you get a ticket. Um, we've also been sharing merch. So uh, if you're watching this and you are a delegate and you don't know about merch, there is merch on our website that you can pre-order and um what else there's an online bundle so you got one shirt one tote for forty dollars but uh, a shirt alone is 25 and a tote alone is twenty dollars so the online bundle is a steal uh and anything else exciting happening for me Mm, no, those are all my announcements. <laughs> those are, that's good. Those are all. I am so excited. And for someone living in the other side of the diaspora, uh, what are, can we do to help support? Oh, okay. You guys in the, di in the diaspora, you guys can help <laughs> donate money to our GoFundMe. I... Chachi... Oop. <laughs> Tashi, if I could send you the link, maybe, um, you could post it to the account. But basically, um, Panoza Parliament is currently accepting donations. We are trying to raise $1,000, but we are not capping the donations at $1,000. Um, if you would like to, any amount helps, really. You don't have to donate a big amount, a significant amount. But obviously, any amount uh, is, a, is greatly appreciated. So... Yeah, just watch out for our GoFundMe. Um, yeah, that's and that's honestly that's like the biggest help that you could give us uh, here at Panoise on Parliament.